Welcome to Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. I am your host, Lori McGraw. I have spent the past 30 years in leadership, and over the years, I've come to learn one thing. Women need women, and not just any women, but inspiring women. Tune in every week to hear from women at the pinnacle of their careers and from others who are just starting out. Episodes can be found at inspiringwomen.show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will be inspired. This is Inspiring Women, and I am Laurie McGraw. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Ivor Braden Horn. She is at Google, where she's been for almost two years. She is a 20-plus year expert focused on the area of health equity and health disparities. As a pediatrician, she was at Children's National Medical Center for many years. She also led the Center for Diversity and Health Equity at Seattle Children's. She was also the Chief Medical Officer of Accolade, and she also advised many organizations, including the American Medical Association in terms of their Center of Health Equity. And Dr. Horn, I am delighted to be speaking with you today. Lori, thank you. It's great to be here. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I know how busy you are. A lot of things going on in Google in this space. I'm looking forward to talking about that. But Today, as we're talking today, just give us a sense. I always start inspiring women with what do you do day to day? What does the director of health equity, social determinants of health mean at Google? Oh, that's a really great question. It's a lot of, first of all, health equity as a initiative and as a program didn't exist um, at Google before I started. There were lots of conversations and there's talk about fairness and bias. So part of my role is really thinking about how do we help people understand what health equity is um, and what it is not? And how do we help build that into the work that we do? And so a lot of my time is spent in meetings and thinking about strategy and thinking about how we build and understanding Google, which is a really big thing to do. A really big thing to do in an ever-changing place. And I want to talk a bit about Google and its you know, forays into health and healthcare and its impact in that space. And I have to say, I'm a little bit stunned, actually, that it hasn't even been two years that there has been a health equity area of Google. But I also have to say, you know, it is wonderful to know that you, Dr. Horn, you know, as the leader of it, who's somebody who is deeply embedded and rooted in health equity, not just sort of, you know, newly. I want to talk about that, too, because there seems to be so much focus on health equity. And I know that language matters. And I hear a lot of talk these days, and maybe we should just be calling it what it is, which is health disparities, which are so um, vast and uh, uh, exposed, I think, these days in health and healthcare. But before we get into all of that, you know, could you just give us a, a quick bio sketch? I mean, you've been in this space as a pediatrician, practicing physician, academic, researcher, you know, uh, leader of technology for a lot of years. Can you give us a sense of sort of like how you got here? Yeah, my work in medicine really started based on my family's experience with healthcare. 
And when I was young, when I was a child and my dad had a traumatic brain injury and it meant that we were in and out of hospitals. And I knew that our family was not respected. I knew that my mom did lots of things to make sure that people understood that my dad and all of his experience was someone who was loved, respected and cared for in his home and in his community. And so I went into medicine really thinking about how do I transform the way that physicians actually interact with communities and especially communities of color and black and brown communities and families like mine. And so I went in and the way that you did that way back when I started in medicine was you went into academic medicine. And so I went into academic medicine really to transform the way that we educate um, physicians. And that started really with culturally competent care. And I had a, I had a mentor who um, was my research mentor and um, Dr. Jill Joseph, she's an epidemiologist and who had gone back to get her MD. And she said, we got to measure what matters. If we can't measure it, it doesn't matter. And it took me on this long journey to think about what are the things that we need to measure? And we focused on communication and health disparities. At the time, we called it health disparities because we were really thinking about the differences that we were seeing between communities and between populations. And then from there, technology came into play. Um, my patients, the parents of my patients were bringing in their, what at that point were flip phones and they were using it to record things and show me, you know, pictures of the kid's rash. And for me, it's like a, this aha moment in realizing technology had the opportunity to transform the experience in healthcare for my patients. They were already using the technology but no one was helping them to think about how they could use it in healthcare. And that's really what galvanized me into the tech space. And that became my advocacy work. I lived in DC for almost 20 years, but like my advocacy was really around working with technology companies and encouraging them early on to build for the patients and families that I was serving every day. So when you started this 20 years ago in, you know, starting with both research, measurement, and then appreciating that technology had an opportunity to address um, what you were studying or pointing out um, with the research, how, how far did we have to go? And then based on where we are today, how far do we still have to go with addressing these disparities to achieve health equity? We had a long way to go in the beginning because everything was focused in Silicon Valley and the people who were building the innovations had no real understanding of the communities and marginalized populations that I was serving. And trying to bridge that gap in the appreciation of this was a for-profit um, endeavor. This was led by venture capitalists. This was led by the venture space and the health innovation space. Um, and they didn't see financial value in that. And there wasn't really a business model at that time that I think supported it either. Um, and so fast forward now, there have been so many transformations in how we think about the ways that we use technology. The use of technology is becoming the norm in a way that we understand 
everyone's integrated it into their lives and we've got to integrate it into the way that we provide and support people in their healthcare journeys and their health journeys, not just within healthcare and the four walls of healthcare systems, but in their health journeys. And so I think we've come a long way in understanding the differences in the ways that we think about the use of technology. Now, I think it's really important that we focus on how do we use technology and center marginalized communities in the ways that we build and the ways that we think about the work. I think today, I mean, certainly from the pandemic, what um, there is so much talk and I would say attention to health equity, health disparities, a lot of discussion and efforts on DEI, certainly in Silicon Valley, but also in all companies and health systems in terms of just whether it's workforce um, or leadership. But uh, that attention doesn't always seem to be grounded in what's really happening. And, you know, just having had previous conversations with you and others who have so much depth in the area of health equity, um, I'm just curious curious as to how you discern what's real, how much of the discussion and attention is just hype, sort of like, you know, the fashionable thing of the day, and how much of it is real, important, what real and just important work that's happening today? Yeah, no, this is a great question. Um, and one of the things that I, that I look for is, are people work, working focused on the long term? Are they looking at the long game? Are, are, are they looking at a PR moment? Um, how are they thinking about systemic change within their organization? And that means what are we doing to do infrastructure change that can be sustained? Health equity cannot just be an afterthought or a reaction to a moment if we're actually going to sustain it. Having done this for a really long time, we know that there are ebbs and flows. We know that it was it was health disparities and NIH was funding health disparities research and then the center was developed. But then it then it you know it ebbed and there was less attention. And then we had an increase in attention at other times. And I think during the pandemic, what became abundantly clear is that the impact on one community impacts us all and we are not disconnected and i think not only did health equity become something that was nice to do it became imperative as something that we needed to address and i think that is the difference that we're beginning to see because we're having more nuanced conversations around how do we change our process how do we change our structure how do we change our accountability to actually move the needle because we've looked at the data and we see that these differences are not just things that are not nice to see in the press, but they're actually impacting our communities, they're impacting our families, and from a business perspective, they're impacting our bottom line. I think the important thing from my perspective is the moral imperative has always been clear. 
And what I've seen and experienced in my many years in healthcare is that moral imperatives do ebb and flow with energy, with who has sort of the loudest microphone. But when you start to tie things to financials and bottom lines, that that has a larger ability to have sustained impact. So can you give us some perspective on those financial impacts and how people are measuring and why it matters from a financial standpoint to address disparities and move towards health equity? 100%. If you are a self-insured employer, you need to look at the data within your, within your workforce. And how are there health disparities within your workforce? And what are the solutions that you're creating to address those health disparities? and being intentional about it. And I think those are some of the things that we're seeing. And we saw that with COVID. We saw that there was disproportionate impact in low income, um, hourly workforce. And we got an understanding of what who is a, an essential worker and how are we providing support and resources for them? So I think companies were seeing it in their bottom line both in what they were seeing in their communities, but also what they were seeing in their workforce. And so it became real to them. And I agree, and what you say is so true, the moral imperative has always been there and will always be there. We have to connect it to understand the business imperative as well. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And it's great to hear those connections. I mean, Dr. Horn, you've always spoken and just, you know, you've, you're a, you know, very, very accomplished speaker, you know, and I've heard you speak before talking about that, you know, this work of health equity needs to be conscious, planned and purposeful. That's consistent with things that you're saying right now, but now at Google, so, you know, in terms of the area that you lead um, there, what, what is the focus at Google? Yeah, no. Over the last two years, I, I like to say I've been somewhat quiet. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're not <because> quiet. <laughs> um, well, for me, it's quiet. Um, <laughs> I, I would say I like to build things. And I like to think that we're a startup within a big company. And what we have really been doing is working on how do we build the accountability infrastructure within Google to like integrate health equity into the way that we think about health across all of our across all of our platforms. So our team works across the company. Um, so we work with YouTube, we work with Fitbit, we work with search, we work with research, we work with cloud. And we think about everything from our research and our R&D efforts to our product development lifecycle to our go-to-market strategy. And how do we think about integrating health equity across all of those areas? And so that is really the work that we are doing every day is thinking about how are we helping to build that into the way that we work and the way that we think about health solutions at Google. And so that is enormous work. And Google, of course, is, you know, spans the globe and sort of touches every piece of technology, it seems, that we interact with. So how um, uh, sort of, you know, how optimistic do you feel these days in terms of your ability to have the type of impact that you might envision? 
Yeah, I am an, I'm, I'm an optimist and I am cautiously optimistic. I'm really optimistic about what we're doing at Google and I'm cautiously optimistic about what I'm seeing across the globe. And I'll give you an example. We had a panel where we were, there was a discussion of, with leaders in life sciences around health equity. And the thing that was so powerful was that I, I was not in this conversation. Um, these were my peers and there wasn't necessarily diversity on the panel. However, the nuance with which they were talking about health equity, both its importance to society and the community and, the glo and global health, but also the importance to their business to be successful, that they needed to improve health for all communities, and that they were thinking about it and discussing their approaches in such a nuanced way that it, it actually made me feel really great that I wasn't sitting there trying to pull it out of them, that they were bringing it forward themselves. So that for me is what makes me really optimistic. Are we in sort of, are we in a new wave? Because, you know, one of the, when I speak with many um, women physicians, you know, particularly physicians of color, it seems that the health equity work, particularly for those who are experienced and have put many years into it, a lot of the workload falls upon them. And there's just a level of exhaustion that comes with that. Are we getting beyond sort of just, you know, a certain smaller segment of people like you who carry the load? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I, th I think the only way that we can actually achieve health equity at scale is that our small group doesn't carry the whole load because we'll burn out. I think what's been so wonderful for me is I brought in a team of people with health equity expertise. So it wasn't people who were just interested in health equity. It's not just a team of folks who um, are really passionate about the work. They've actually been doing this work for a long time. And so, and I brought my team together as a cohort. So they all came in in sort of this one big bolus. And what's been so powerful about that, and we learned this in medical education, that if we brought in diverse, um, if we brought in diverse students um, and, under, and underrepresented marginalized students, then if you brought them in together as a team, they could work together and they were more likely to be successful. By bringing in my team as a cohort, watching them be able to navigate through the company and flourish um, in being experts to something that's new in the company has been so powerful because not only are they able to give out, but they're able to come together and support each other and learn from each other as part of the work. Um, and so I think that part is really important as we think about doing this, because we can't scale unless we have the ability to do that. I want to just sort of like, you know, poke at that a little bit. Again, people in, you know, so many times where you see organizations who are making a PR moment out of investing in health equity or DEI, and there are teams of one, you know, or one person. And so what you're saying, which is just so encouraging to hear that bringing in a whole cohort, 
all at once. So there is more than one designated person to help shoulder the responsibility across a large um, organization and just the ability to build impact in that way is powerful and great advice for so many other organizations. You know, there's just so much to cover and I, I we have so little time here, but maybe, you know, just a couple personal questions. Uh, Dr. Horn, can you just speak to, even though you've got this team and you are having um, an impact that you are excited and encouraged um, with, how do you personally keep the balance? Because burnout, um, whether it's jobs of importance of yourself or physicians um, in general, it is top of mind. How do you keep balance for yourself? Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for that question. And just to re-emphasize your comment before, it is so important that people not think of this as an individual contributor role. Like we have over 100,000 employees at Google and we're global. One person could not do health equity at Google. So I just want to point that out. Um, but for me, as an individual, how do I keep the balance in my life? First is family. Um, I have a huge and amazingly supportive um, husband who has been with me on this journey for over 30 years. And I, I cannot say that strongly enough in that he cooks, he cleans, he does a lot of the things that allow me to be out in the world um, and do the work that I do. Um, and kids who are wonderfully supportive in that as well. And then I have friends. And I have friends who don't care what my job is. They don't really ask me about my job. All they care about is me and my well-being. And I think that's really two things that allow me to have balance in addition to exercise. And um, something that I tell people all the time, especially when you get to this level and especially when you're um, a Black woman in leadership, in organizations, get yourself a coach and get yourself a therapist. The therapist lets you, <laughs> the therapist reminds you that, you know, the things that you're thinking are real um, and helps you deal with them and helps you to better yourself um, and address those things that you need to address for yourself so that you can go out into the world and get yourself a coach to help you navigate the space. That is amazing advice. I absolutely love it. You know, as we close out here on inspiring women, rather than advice, because you just gave such um, great advice for other women um, who are looking to aspire like you, um, I'd love to hear, Dr. Horn, just your Op, you know, uh, optimistic vision, maybe the next five years for the space of health equity, what's possible? I think what's possible is when we start thinking about health equity, we're going to be looking at it from a global lens and we're going to learn from what's happening in other parts of the country and we're going to be applying it here in the US and in the UK. And I think we're, we recognize that there is no health without health equity and we are going to see businesses really thinking about health equity as part of their mandate and part of the importance of the way that they do work in the same ways that they're thinking about sustainability. Um, and they're going to see it as a business imperative. That's my optimistic view of where we're going in the future. 
Well, that is an inspiring view. And I, with everything that I can do to just support that vision, um, just love it. And Dr. Horn, thank you so very much for being on Inspiring Women. This has been an excellent conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Lori McGraw, and thank you for listening.